You're listening to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 37, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. We have a fun interview today for you, uh, part of the Valentine's series since it is February, and we are had a couple episodes that focus on relationships and love and business, of course. Um, I am sitting down with Jess and Ronnie Olstead, whom you will know as Hot Ronnie and Jess, the founder of Love for Lewiston. Jess was on episode four way back when. If you scroll, if you want to hear the full Love for Lewiston story and everything else about Jess, we included Hot Ronnie in this conversation to talk about navigating tragedy like they had to with Lewiston and how they came together to get through it. Their advice for couples who are going through hardships or tragedy and also conflict resolution and really making the choice to stay together. They share their relationship advice and how they take time for each other even though they're both running their own businesses and it can get a little crazy. Both of them acknowledge that a relationship takes work, but at the end of the day, the grass is greener where you water it. A relationship isn't about you, and we talk about how important it is to keep your partner's happiness in mind when you make decisions and choices in life. And if you try to make them happy, you will get the love and relationship that you want in return. They share their favorite date spots in Calgary and their favorite activity and how they check in with each other to make sure that both of them are feeling heard and supported in whatever that they are doing. Jess and Ronnie know the importance of family and that work isn't the be all end all. So spending time with each other and their daughter Swayze is very important, especially as they have another baby along the way. I love this episode. They're so cute together. You're definitely going to love it and fall even more in love with Jess and Hot Ronnie. So with that, let us get into it. Here is Jess and Ronnie. Welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting here with Jess, who's been on the podcast before, and her husband, Ronnie, and they are one of our Valentine's Couples episodes, which was Jess's idea. So Ronnie's giving her the look, but it was her idea and that's why we're here. So thanks for joining me. It's all me. Thanks for having us, Rach. Of course. Do you guys want to start by introducing yourselves? Sure. I'm Jess. I've been on the podcast before. Myself and we affectionately call him Hot Ronnie. Um, We are the co-founders of the Love for Lewiston Foundation which to date has raised over $386,000 for SMA Research and Alberta Children's Hospital. And then I've got a whole bunch of other side projects, but the biggest two um, that I'm growing my speaking career and publishing um, my book, which is all about kind of our story and our life over the last kind of five to 10 years. So those are my big things. And I'm hot Ronnie, (laughs) hubby to this, uh, this looker. And uh, dad to Swayze and Lewis, mm-hmm. and um, work for a company called 98 Food Co., which has four brands under it, franchise food brands that uh, we're pushing hard, local in Calgary, and uh, stretching out across Western Canada. Awesome. Yeah. And do you guys want to share how you met and your first impression of each other? Oh, geez. It was a doozy. Most people aren't even going to believe it that we've blossomed into this type of love. We literally sometimes lie in bed and I'm like, what do you have ever thought? Nine years ago, we'd like be on no our third shot. kid. You just said that like two nights ago out of nowhere. I mean. She's like, I can't believe I'm having your third child. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Yeah. Like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? But uh, 2009. Nine. Was it May? Yeah, May 11. So. Was that two questions? How we first met and what our impression was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same kind of story, but oh, yeah. Okay, so I was working at the Jugo Juice head office at the time, and I knew that we had a new interviewee coming in that day, and uh, my my desk was at the back of the office, and there was kind of like walls that kind of separated all the way to the front. Anyhow, I saw saw Jess came in. She was in a in a cream colored coat. It was white. It was, uh, it was off-white, um, 
And I just remember kind of like dipping around the corner and being like, who's that? Um, I thought she was pretty beautiful. But the first time I actually met you was in the training center. So I had gotten hired. She gotten hired. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had to start training her. And so the, that first morning, she was just like ball of fire. And I, like back then, like I used to get up at like nine in the morning. Like I didn't even like start breathing till like 9.30. <laughs> and this was probably like 8.45ish. And I'm like in the training center by myself. Everybody starts filtering in. It was a big group, probably like eight people. And um, all of a sudden, just, just smacking on gum just comes up and just starts like, shaking my hand and flirting with me. And all I remember is your green eyes. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, yeah, heart stopper. So we worked together and Ronnie had to train me and we hated working together. Like we were like oil and vinegar, did not mix, never went for after work drinks. Like we're just like polar opposites. He took care of his territory. I took care of mine. We kind of divided Alberta into two. We each had like 20 stores at the time. And uh, awkwardly enough, within the first couple of weeks, we were at a store and we ran into his now obviously ex-girlfriend and like I just remember being so uncomfortable and like what's this girl's problem like I don't even like this guy like I'm only with this guy because I have to get trained by him like he's all yours lady friend um, and it was just interesting how there was no connection I think I thought he was super hot and I knew going in that his nickname was hot Ronnie um, a friend had told me they're like, oh, if you work at this office, there's this really cute guy. His name's Hot Ronnie. Blah blah blah. That's where the name got coined. Um, but it wasn't until like complete opposites, like yeah. nothing in common, <laughs> nothing in common, no interests, yeah. like just in yeah, we did not gel. And then, we were actually enemy enemies. Yeah. <laughs> like we, like we weren't even close to being friends. Yeah, I once pulled him into the boardroom and I was like, listen, if you're gonna talk badly about me behind my back to franchise partners at least have the decency to say it to my face and was like I don't appreciate you going behind my back and like if you have a problem with how I manage my territory come to me and so um the dog just farted I know <laughs> sorry that is so nasty oh my gosh for the people that are just listening to this there's a very foul smell that is not coming from any of the humans um but from this really sweet dog um and so yeah, we didn't enjoy each other at all. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, we didn't really enjoy each other at all. Ronnie actually thought when I came to a Christmas party because I brought my best friend that he thought I was a lesbian. Well, who um, brings another chick to a Christmas party if you're not? Like, lots of girls. girls. Just, really? Yeah. I've you. never yeah. seen that before. Like, that's your one time out of the year to like go out and find some hunk that you normally would never spend the night I was with. the only one that didn't have a date. I hadn't dated anyone in really five years. So I went solo. To, I didn't want to go solo, so I took my best friend. And he's like, I for sure thought you were a lesbian. I was like, nope, not a lesbian. To each their own. So anyways, and then in March of that year, um, we were both at the office late one night um, working, which was very rare. Like we would never be kind of in the same like vicinity. And then I just felt like really nudged to ask him if he was okay. I was like, because he had seemed off and he hadn't seen himself. And I was like, hey, like, are you okay? And he's like, no, not really. And that gives me this long story about um, overdosing on drugs and how he had gotten drugged um, while he was away for the weekend with his girlfriend. And he was like, yeah, I'm just really struggling. I haven't felt myself. And so I just felt nudged to invite him to church. And I was like, hey, if you want to come to church, I go to church every week and it helps me uh, in my life. And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awkward. The hot guy <laughs> said he'd come to church with me. Like, you know when you invite someone to like a something that's maybe not for everyone. Um, they're like, yeah, thanks. Like, I'll think about it and never take you up on the offer. Right. Um, and he took me up on the offer, and then I just felt nudged again. God was like, ask him to the Good Friday service. And so I was like, oh, like, uh, yeah, if you want to come with me on Friday too, I'm going to church. He goes, you go to church twice in one weekend? I was like, well, for us as Christians, I'm like, it's Easter. It's kind of like the biggest holiday of the year. It's like what the whole faith is based around. And he showed up on Friday 50 minutes early, and we've been hanging out ever since. True story. True story. <laughs> what a turnaround. Oh, it worked out well. It's a good, good turnaround story. <laughs> yeah, we've been married almost six years, three kids in, and a whole lot of crazy. That's for sure. So, yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. And you're co-founders of a business together. You both have your own separate businesses. So how do you not talk about work all the time? 
Do you have any t- uh, tactics for that? I mean, we got we have so much going on. So it, I mean, there's so many different outlets, right? We've got the foundation. <clears throat> we each have our own businesses. We've got mine's more of a hobby. Is what you call it. <laughs> it's turning into a business, which is great. Mine doesn't make any money, so it's right. a hobby at this point. <laughs> um, you know, and we, you know, we have you know church things that we do. We have our friends, you know, family. I mean, kids. I mean, I feel like it's not always just like work, 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 home, right? Like, I, I don't think that we would describe ourselves as like workaholics. Mm-hmm. Like, we have so many other outlets that we each have our own things that we enjoy doing like Ronnie's in a men's group I have a female mastermind group that I'm involved in and I think because for us we realize that work is not the be-all end-all we have things that we're passionate about and um, we know that it's good to separate we always have stuff to talk about yeah right like we both leave in the morning and then we do like a million things and then when we get into bed at night like we like can actually learn about what each other did. And I think we do a good job of checking in throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like some days we don't connect at all. It'll be like five missed calls from Ronnie. She doesn't like those days. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm like, damn it, why have you not answered my call? <laughs> um, but he's really good to respond and like, hey, are you okay? Is everything good? So we'll text or whatever. And so I think just like those check-ins. Um, and we know that there's more to life than work. There's family, our daughters, like the light of our life and so joyful and we got these side projects and um, other big dreams that we're working towards, so it's easy not to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And do you have any, I guess because you do have such a good balance, but do you find that there's any challenges when it comes to both running your own business? Is there anything that ever comes up if you're both too busy? or? Uh, I, th- I think our biggest struggle with it has been financial, right? Like getting... You know, me me launching in and not having necessarily like a hundred percent salary from day one to fall back on, and now just jumping in because before we both came from yeah, yeah. From, from salary jobs, right? And I so, had like a six figure job, and originally was like a breadwinner, and then had kids, and then was like, let's start a foundation, and I'll never return back to work and make money. Um, it's so, an eye opener. There's so many times where we think back and we're like, what did we? do with the income like where did it go right, right? cuz then you, mm-hmm. we got to a place where we were like s- scraping by for so long we're, we're, we're fine mm-hmm. you know it's not like we're we're on the verge of poverty but no, i think um, i think if there's yeah it's been one struggle both owning businesses and kind of doing our own thing it's it's i mean the financial part doesn't just come right it's something you got to build equity in and you got to you have to grow that so i think the other thing for us is uh, what I find challenging, so I'm in a season of growth. Ronnie has more of a stabil, like a stable income, and like there's very much like what he reaps, then he rewards, and I'm still in like a growth phase, um, where like we jokingly say <laughs> that um, we we like he we jokingly talk about it as like mine's a hobby and not necessarily a business, and I'm working really hard to you know, provide income for our family, but we've done so much charity work that that's all been volunteer. And so I think sometimes when I have something really important and he has something, I feel like his might trump mine because his actually pays the bills and mine's just like a feel-good activity or meeting. So that's where it's challenging. But we've gotten an after six years and how, like, we've gone to a marriage conference, we've done counseling, those tools have helped us like communicate and how we organize our life so that you can avoid the blow-ups or feeling like mine doesn't matter and we'll have our moments we work through them and then we like let maybe the dust settle and then revisit any conflict that we've had and that really helps us to be like oh okay this is really important to you I'm going to support you in this and I can sacrifice whatever business thing I had going on so it's like tit for tat a little bit yeah yeah it's good to process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what advice would you give people who need to create more of a work relationship balance? I think balance, I hate the word balance. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a rhythm. Because I don't know, like, if you're always expecting this perfect teeter-totter of it just being like, Ronnie and Jessica are even, Ronnie and Jessica are even, that's just not how life works. And so I know, and Ronnie knows, when my really crazy busy season is. 
and he'll try to avoid booking stuff around then. So he's like, okay, it's all hands on deck. Jess has a market this weekend. We have, you know, X, Y, Z. We call it the Lewiston season for a foundation because we cram three major events into one. And so for us, there's like a rhythm. And I think I also know when Ronnie's opening new stores, I can't put expectations on him to be at home and do all this stuff for Swayze and take care of all of, he does laundry and cooking and grocery shopping and all the things that every girl dreams that their husband would do. And so I just don't put those expectations on him. So I don't know, I don't think it's balanced. I think it's a rhythm and an understanding. That's how I'd answer that. Mm -hmm. We've also done, I think, a really good job being intentional on one date night a week. So that's every Tuesday night is, is our, like, no matter what. Um, even if we have something that night, like we'll try to do something just before the event or just after or whatever, just so you can kind of keep that, that connection. Cause that's something we've had to work on. Mm -hmm. There's been through phases where like, we're literally like ships passing in the night and a whole right. week goes by and we're just like, holy, did we make out this week? Like probably not. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we, we have to be very like intentional with that because it is such a crazy schedule. Um, but yeah, balance is uh, a beautiful word that doesn't usually happen. Are you going to start to cry? No, I was, just, I was faking it. <laughs> I was like, holy moly. Podcasts do this to me. <laughs> okay. Okay, and we'll, let's talk about Lewiston for a little bit. So yeah. you went through a major now tragedy. Now we can cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the time. Speaking of <laughs> yeah. tears, here they come. Yeah. Could be balance, could be Lewiston. Yeah. <laughs> Depends. Um, you went through the tragedy together with Lewiston when he passed, and so... You can kind of tell the story of that and how did that bring you closer and how did you manage that stress and sadness during the time mm -hmm. and now as well? Yeah, so Lewiston, our son, he's our second born, born in May 2016, um, got diagnosed at two months, two and a half months with uh, spinal muscular atrophy, SMA for short. Um, and we, after that diagnosis in August, we basically checked into the hospital shortly thereafter and uh, he ended up passing away at Rotary Flames Hospice, which is part of Alberta Children's Hospital. And that was November 22nd, 2016. So it was a very quick six months of his life. That's kind of, if people don't know that story, that's the, the briefest explanation of it. Do you want to tackle how we didn't murder each other <laughs> through that time? Yeah, I think there's two, two parts to that question. So the first was, um how did we kind of come together? And I think the big part of that part of the question was like choosing to do that. I think one thing that I mentioned during Lewiston's funeral was um, just the amazing job Jessica did on choosing the, the path that we were gonna, or how we were gonna approach this path. So it's ingrained in my mind. I, I, I remember the day that we got the diagnosis, we were at Alberta Children's. Um, Obviously, we were familiar with SMA community, Jessica even more so. Um, so, so we, we kind of knew what, what, what was coming, um, but we didn't know the severity of the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So when they dropped the bomb that um, Lewis probably wouldn't make it to his first birthday, um, I mean, you, you can imagine the, the intensity and, the, and the, the emotion. So Jess, I mean, immediately kind of fell to the ground and it just, it just it crushed her. But literally, like, the next thing she did was she stood up and she grabbed both my hands. She looked at me in the eyes and she said, okay, we're going to choose to stay together through this. We're going to choose joy. We're going to choose to give Lewis an amazing life. And that almost, like, set the stage, right? It was just like, okay, this is what we're choosing. Like, there's no other option. Now let's figure out the best way to go through it. But I think we, we Jessica laid that groundwork right from day one so we knew the expectation like there was no you know we're gonna hold this over each other's heads or we're gonna like there's no other option we're, we're getting through it so that's that part of it's a choice I think um, the second part of the question um, how we managed stress and how we <laughs> and how we got through it um, I kind of go back to to a Bible verse and this doesn't necessarily relate to people who are religious or not religious or whatever it's just a, it's kind of a good good lesson in life and it's it's First Timothy, and, and, and what the verse is kind of around is, how can a man um, manage the kingdom of God or the world if he can't manage himself and his own family? And that was, that was huge for us, right? Because to, in kind of simple terms, it was like, if you're not taking care of yourself, 
how are you going to be there for your wife who like is going to extremely need you how are you going to be there for your one-year-old daughter who has no idea what's going on how are you going to be there for your son who's laying in a hospital bed and then you've got your the grandparents and you've got your siblings and you've got work and you've got friends and you've got hospital and you've got doctors so I think we just have kind of approached it from a, you know, we got to make sure that like we're right. So we worked out every day, right? We made sure that we slept. We, we made didn't sure. work out. Well, not when he was in the hospital. Maybe not necessarily when it was in ICU, but uh, rotary flames. I mean, there, you know, there was lots of times and, you know, there'd be times where I'd be driving to the gym and it would hit me for a quick second. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I a dick of a dad? Am I a dick of a husband? I'm going to the gym right now. Like my son could stop breathing tomorrow but yet I'm going to work out for 45 minutes or an hour. In hindsight, I, I don't regret it at all. I, I don't regret, you know, taking a half an hour to meditate. I don't regret those things because I kind of look back now and it was like... It gave you the fuel to... Give us the fuel. It gave us the strength. It, it kind of gave us, um, you know... And then, I mean, another huge one for Jessica and I is being on the same page faith-wise, like our belief system. Um, I don't know the statistics, but I know that they're really not in your favor when you lose child divorce rates are already high so when you lose a child on top of that I think that added stress I don't know what those those numbers are but I know that I think there's a, a proven fact that if you're, you're coming at it from the same beliefs um, at least you know where each other stand right you, you, you know it, it's tough right it's tough to navigate everybody grieves different everybody is, is gonna react differently in those situations but I think um, we came out at pretty level-headed. Um, and not to say that we approached it perfectly. We for sure would have, we'd have challenging conversations because we had to make choices on like his life care. And the week that he passed, <clears throat> he had had a really severe choking accident. They had to beg him. Ronnie had gone to a work meeting that day because he had been doing so phenomenally well. Um, we begged him. They resuscitated him and brought him back to life and they're like just this we're a hospice like this is not um emerge and from there we had to make some really tough choices which as a husband and wife as you like choose to be like well how much longer do you try to pump your kid full of air to keep them alive extremely stressful and we never wanted to hold decisions over each other like well you made me so we really came at it with like both bringing what we both wanted and then listening to the other person and then I think once he passed, there have been some major blow-ups. Like, we will not deny that. There's been huge blow-ups. Um, but I think every day we get better and stronger, and we come from a place of understanding. And um, the biggest thing is realizing that we both grieve differently. We're both going to grieve at different times. And um, we'll manage stress a little bit differently, but we're both holding account each other accountable to leading a healthy life to doing the things that we know are important to make us our best selves. And we made a pact that there's no other choice, yeah. right? Like there's no other choice. So you can sit there and scream, you can sit there and holler, you can sit there and bawl your eyes out. But at the end of the day, we're going to get up together again the next morning. Ronnie always says, he's like, well, you better figure it out, Jansen, because you're stuck with me for another 70 years. <laughs> That's a long time. That's a long time to be yeah. stuck with me. So you know what? You can cry Which about it. True. You can whine yeah. about it. But at the end of the day, sorry. Yeah, like, and that's like a great life lesson where it's just like you want to be so pissed or so mad or hold the grudge or not work through it. And he's like, figure it out now or figure it out in 70 years. But like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so we got to work through it. And that's mm -hmm. been a good like checkpoint for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something you can't, like you were never prepared for mm -hmm. anyway. So you're in a relationship and you're like, oh, it's going great. But you never know. How what, that is going what to cards be out for sure. Totally. Yeah. And like you said, it does, it can go either way. Yeah. Right. And so. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, not even looking at our situation that, it, you know, that, yeah, it, you know, we've, we've obviously been through some bumps, but I mean, there's also people that have it way harder and there's more, there's also people that are going to have it way harder. I mean, people I think realize that, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of raised growing up in Canada that your life is going to be somewhat okay and smooth. They don't tell you that, uh, you're for sure gonna go through massive tragedies, um, but everybody does, mm -hmm. right? So. And we looked at our situation and like we lost one. We, we there's families and childrens that like makes our stories look like a walk in the park. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what advice would you give 
couples that are going through a challenge or a hardship or a rough patch, whether extreme or not extreme, mm-hmm. what advice would you give couples for that? Mm. Never lasts. It never lasts. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think when you're in like the heart or the eye of the storm, mm-hmm. you think that there's no way out. There's no way out, and there, there's always a way out. Like no matter no matter what it is, there's there's always a way out. There's always options. There's always choices. Um, I think that's so true. Like we've had moments where we're like, how are we going to pay our mortgage? We're screwed. Like financial stress, relationship stress, whatever it is, um, and I think. Um, my mom's always said this she's like there's redemption in everything like there's grace in everything and so it's like there will always be a solution it's just how hard you want to work to find that solution or to work towards resolution so um, I would say that like sometimes a good night's sleep is the best thing that you can do um, when you're in the heat of a fight or and maybe it does mean that I mean some people say never go to bed in separate rooms but maybe it does mean that you just need like a breather like some space to collect your thoughts um, and then to revisit that with like a rested mind I think is super important and to really understand where the other person is coming from Um, and sometimes Ronnie will get so fired up I'm like hey what's the real issue here so sometimes maybe what looks like to be the surface level issue isn't the issue maybe there's something deeper and spending that time to communicate and to know your spouse or your partner that's huge in finding resolution and, and, and going back to just the last question making sure that you guys have the same belief system whatever that is right obviously you know what ours is but yeah. you know for people that are dating right now or engaged like obviously we would encourage you to have those combos now because when tragedy hits it's, it's a huge benefit to have that. And then couples that you know are married that maybe are a little bit off, you better choose to get on the same page because we just saw it, like we saw it time and time again in ICU, in the hospital, in rotary flames, during marriage counseling, group counseling. You know, the couples that came at it with a strong foundation and, and the same belief system, it was so evident that it, it just seemed smoother than the couples that, um, totally believed or, or totally were approaching their tragedy from different Beliefs perspectives. Or yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Um, and what is your most common argument and how do you best resolve conflict? <laughs> if you want to share. <laughs> no, wait, we're open books. Our most common argument. I'd say we have two. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah. Hit me. Uh, Not yeah. physically. Hit me. With yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that we're it's actually an fight. abusive yeah. relationship. <laughs> Uh, one's for sure financial, which we touched on earlier. Um, 100%. I like shoes. I wish I could shop more. And I overspend on groceries, people, because I like to eat healthy and I'm celiac. Shoot me in the face, okay? That's one. Yeah, that's one. So we're working through that. And the second one is, um, I don't know if you know this, but Jess is definitely an extrovert. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, <laughs> for, for all of you tuning in today, um, she loves friends. Like, just loves I them. I didn't have any growing up. She didn't have any growing up, so... We understand where it comes from. I, I prayed for friends my whole life. I was never, like, had a group or was never included. They're, they're raining down now. <laughs> so, it's just awesome. I'm not discounting that. The support, everything is amazing. Like, I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but... You feel second fiddle sometimes when I forget to prioritize my family and my husband. And I will fully own that one. Both of the, I like how both of these are mine. Yeah, I'm perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'm perfect, yeah. It's like, well, Jessica spends too much money and likes all of her friends too much. <laughs> um, but it's basically the truth. Um, you give me trouble when I get a spray tan. That's about it. That's I think that's the I'm only like. thing that's that you really get mad at me for. Like, pretty I'm much. Pretty flawless. Okay. (laughs) But, um, and Ronnie's had to check me in, and I think when you go from, like, living a single life or not in a partnership, and, like I said, I come from, like, my history and my past is that I haven't had great girlfriends or, like, a crew of people that I've been included in, and I don't want to lose that, but now I'm a mom and I'm a wife, and I'm a wife first and a mom second, um, and then a friend falls in after that. 
but sometimes the way I do my schedule, I put friends at the top and then my family gets the leftovers. Um, and it totally needs to be reversed. And so um, it's totally fair. He gives and gives and gives <coughs> and is so supportive. And it's not fair that I'd make him feel third. So those are probably our two most common arguments. And for us with the financial thing, um, we ignored our finances because um, it's ugly and messy and neither of us enjoy doing it. Um, I mean, if you enjoy doing finances, please call us because uh, you're amazing and kudos to you. But it, it's hard because you're trying to join two bank accounts, two lives, two spending patterns, um, two things that are important to you into one. And we finally merged all of it. Like I got rid of my secret account that I had. <laughs> and like, you can't hide shopping anymore. But now like we're talking about it so that it doesn't become this big issue. It can be dealt with on a daily, weekly level. And um, our planning schedule, I also know I can't go out four nights a week with girlfriends and two events. I have a daughter and a husband. So I can choose one, maybe two. And that's just how we balance it better. Yeah. So I think talking about it and recognizing it is huge and finding a solution. But he also knows like that fuels me up and gives me energy. So he's supportive that I do it. It's just with making sure it's within reason. And I, I don't have to be a diva either. Right? I mean, there's way worse things that Jessica could be doing other than hanging out with like amazing people or going to events or charity events. I mean, all that stuff's great. So it's not necessarily attacking that. I think sometimes... But your I'd love language is quality time. It definitely is. So... I need to recognize that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my love language too, so yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah you're like, yeah. hello, I'm like Chris, That's... hang out with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and what do you value the most in your relationship? Um, being a, a part of it. Be, being a part of Jessica. I was gonna say partnership. Yeah. 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 It's just better. The, the second that I knew, so we had, we had dated and then we had broken up for four months. He was a jerk <laughs> and I was living with him, hadn't told my parents and walked home one night and was like, here's the keys, get all your stuff, put in my truck, I want you out by the end of the night. Yeah, that's not at all what we were talking about. I'm just giving <laughs> the people some context. Good grief. Wow. <laughs> You're looking like a saint this whole time, so I'm just... No, but just to give some context... You don't had, want to see Red Rage Ronnie. Yeah, we hit a rough patch, and we were working together and living together. And he was like, here's the keys, all your stuff out. So I had sold all my stuff. I had to go to my girlfriend's and sleep on her couch. And we worked together for four months and were broken up. It was so awkward. But the, but the moment I knew, um, I was on a patio, extremely late at night, kind of looking over the city and I, I it just kind of dawned on me like why wouldn't I want to spend the rest of my life with the person I look up to the most and who's like my best friend and it was just like it just clicked you know everybody kind of talks about their like aha moment um, but that's for sure for me just being like a part of Jessica's team because like she's amazing thanks babe yeah we make a great team. I think we both had like different approaches and when we started working together, we both like doing things differently or had ideas of how it worked. And now like we, our dreams, like we're, we're, we have our own separate dreams, but we also have dreams together. And I think Ronnie's biggest thing, he's always said, he's like, I just want to be on your team and I want you to be on my team. We're not against each other. Like let's be for each other. We're fighting the same battle. And when you can get that dialed in with someone, that they're like that for you on your goals. When Ronnie comes to me with hard conversations or we fight over stuff, it's not because he wants to come down on me. It's because he's trying to make me better. He's, you know, we joke about calling my businesses hobbies. It's that he sees how hard I'm working and he wants me to also see that in a reward, whether that be financially or growth or whatever. And so I think when you have a partner that is wants to dream the same dreams, and support you on your own individual dreams. Like there's nothing sweeter and I believe life's better together. It just is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade it for a million years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and make it more more than what just the relationship is, right? Like what, what can, how can we, how can we affect this world, mm -hmm. right? Positively, yeah. how can we do, how can we do that as, as a team? Because we're so much stronger together, right? Mm -hmm. And then how can we raise our kids to be a part of that team and that mission and then how can we do it in our community and how can we do it in our city, right? I mean, that's like the long-term vision, but I think you've got to have that 
first and foremost in the marriage before you can even impact any of those any other areas. Mm-hmm. And Swayze is also on your team. So what has Swayze taught you about life and love in the past, oh. her short life that she has You're had? You're talking to the world's number one dad here. <laughs> I thought I would like kick butt in the parenting department. I'm like, I'm going to be the best parent. I'm going to be so fun. And it's one thing when it's other people's kids and you can return them. Right. But then it's your own and you're like, oh, you're with me 24-7. Um, it's a game changer. And honestly, I've never seen... Um, we both come from amazing families. Shout out to our parents. We have incredible foundations um, that are both so supportive and giving. But like, Ronnie is like the most amazing dad. The time and the energy and the imagination that he spends with Swayze... For me, it's, like, taught me to slow down and cherish the moments. Like, it's really hard for me to just to sit and, you know, just, I was like, oh, it could be, my list is long. But she's teaching me to slow down and that the little things can be some of our greatest joys. It's pretty epic. Mm-hmm. So I feel really fortunate that we're able to be parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's, uh, she's definitely rocked my world since she came came in. Um, I think teaching me like what unconditional love is um, I know it sounds cliche but it's so hard to understand until you until you're in that situation but um, I always joke that she's going to get one doozy of a wedding speech because <laughs> um, she has no idea like you, you kind of go back to the journey with Lewis and the role that Swayze played was so much bigger than like she'll ever be able to understand. I remember like, oh, there was there was mornings at Rotary Flames like we're 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 living at Rotary Flames like we lived there, and you're like looking around like you're trying to pinch yourself like whoa, like trying to comprehend How is this it. Our life? How yeah. is this our life? You've got Lewis passing away in the bed on one side of you. You've got Swayze over there. You've got all your luggage. Um, you're you're trying to process it. You're still trying to work. You know every day, and. <clears throat> there was there was never there was never a doubt when Swayze woke up in the morning that she didn't give us purpose on 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 how everything was unfolding. So you might you might wake up in the morning and the anxiety and the hopelessness and the depression and all of that is sinking in. And then the second Swayze would wake up at seven thirty and say, "Dad," she was she was learning how to talk at that time because she was about one one and a half. One and a half. And her first two words, other than mom and dad, were pasta and pizza. So <laughs> and puppy. And puppy. Yeah, she loved peas. So she'd wake up in the morning. We'd usually already kind of be awake because um, she's a good sleeper in her. And all you'd hear was, dad, mom, puppy, yeah. pizza, pasta, pizza, pasta. And like you just you just run to her, to her crib, right? Like it, it just gave us like just that much more purpose and... Um, yeah. I think it's a true gift to be entrusted to have a child. Um, we're fortunate that we can have our own children. I think whichever way they come, we've talked about adoption. Um, but there's such a blessing to be able to instill and do your best to be a role model for children. Um, but they also teach you some of the sweetest lessons. So it's like this beautiful intertwined craziness. And um, Swayze's been like the light of her life. She brings so much joy and also test our patience and I mean creates challenges but it's all um, so good and it's it's hard hard work being a parent knowing are we doing this right are we saying the right things and you know ev- just being so aware of what you do but um, it's brought us closer together um, and it also can drive you apart like you have to be really we have to be very conscious about um, making sure that we put each other first and then parents so we try to do our weekly date night so that we're connecting offside um, because eventually she'll grow up and get married and do her own thing and at the end of the day it'll be back to the two of us so making sure that we stay connected mm-hmm. yeah that's mm-hmm. a good point we hear a lot of that feedback from, from older couples mm-hmm. um, yeah and I think just like she she's really taught us to like more of God's love for us Right, because how like they say that he loves us more than we even love our own kids, and it, I can't even fathom that in my mind. So, just what she's taught us about love, like it's just been over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
we'll move on a little bit. You're on your phone all the time with social media. Mm-hmm. You don't even really need to text Jess what she's doing because <laughs> we all know what she's doing. Amen. So how do you disconnect from social media and your phone, both of you, because you obviously work and we all have our phones. So how do you disconnect and reconnect with each other? As much as there's been a request on my personal Instagram for Hot Ronnie to get his own account, um, <laughs> he has not gotten one, so... Um, it's, it's very easy for me. I have no Facebook, no Twitter, yeah. no social media. I don't email friends. When I get home, the phone goes up on the shelf. It's Swayze time, Jessica time, mm-hmm. bedtime. Wow. Very easy for me. He's really good at yeah, it. Yeah, like, that's impressive. <laughs> and I'm not so good at it. How do I disconnect? Don't. <laughs> you don't? I don't know. Um, I think I'm working through that, like trying to find a rhythm of what, what's acceptable. Um <clears throat> I don't know. I think we're good that like around meal time we try not to be on our phones unless I'm um, Instagramming Swayze eating because she's mm-hmm. adorable yeah. and people love her. People are like more Swayze. Um, so I think like during meal times we try to make family time and that meal time like a special sacred time that it's like connecting and having conversation unless it's playoffs or there's a major sporting event <laughs> on. There's no TV on. Um, I think that's one big one. And I'm trying to get better at just using my phone in pockets of time. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're on it. Like, I think the other day it was like, you've averaged seven hours and 19 oh, yeah. minutes of screen time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> but that's also how I do a lot of my work. So mm-hmm. it's like a finite balance. Um, and something that's newer for, not so much you, you've been doing it like way longer than I have. You kick butt at it. But just rising earlier. Because then you get that peace and that quiet first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. right before, rather than just waking up and you're just right into the blizzard or the hurricane of like text messages and emails and voicemails and, and everything that's, that's going on. So um, just being intentional on waking up, quiet time. She has her coffee, right? I go and do my, my meditation. So we mm-hmm. kind of are apart for a little bit, but then we kind of come together and we spend time together before Swayze even gets up. Um, and there's really not, you're not really plugged in. Like, I probably would say that's when we get our most, like, mm-hmm. quiet time, focused time. And we both read it at night and before bed. Yeah, that winds us down. So, like, that that time together, we'll do that in bed. Mm-hmm. And I think I've also started using the app where, it, like, you can limit your screen time, or I think it's right built into the iPhone. Mm-hmm. So, after I've hit a certain amount on social media, because that's where I spend the majority of my time, it stops me, and it's like, you fit your limit for today. So, I think that's, like, a good checkpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm still, you're still trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. but definitely like my, it won't let me log into any of my apps until I think it's like 6.45 in the morning or 7, so that I have the first kind of two hours before that to like dial into quiet time, devotional, gratitude, journaling, and whatever else needs to be done before that kicks in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not experts in that area. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um, what is your favorite date spot in Calgary? Now you say you have date night every Tuesday. What are your, some of your favorite spots? You want to go one, two, three and see if we say the same thing? <laughs> oh, I don't. Well, just wait. i got to think about my... Okay, okay I, have, I have a favorite, like, restaurant, okay. but then I have, like, my favorite date. Okay. So let's just do favorite restaurant uh, right now. Is this for you and I on a romantic date? Well, just, if you and I were just going on a date together to eat. My brain can't think. There's so much stuff going through it. You say your favorite spot. Ten Foot Henry. Oh, duh. Yeah, like, see, this is why like, I can't even, like, Ten Foot Henry is for sure. Sorry. He's whispering that I should have reviewed the questions. <laughs> questions. And I'm like, I'm good at them. Ten Foot Henry. Um, they've actually celebrated some of our biggest moments with us. So when I got um, a contract with the book agency in Austin, Texas, um, I received the email like moments before walking into the restaurant and started crying and Asia the owner um, comped her whole meal and said congrats on your book deal I kept the receipt to this day uh, it just was like such a significant spot plus they have amazing food and they're also huge supporters of love for Lewiston um, we approached them for like a gift certificate and they're like we'll become a, a gold sponsor and what else do you need and we're going to host a cocktail week so um, we love supporting businesses that support us Tempa Henry. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite thing to do? Golfing with you. Oh, yeah. I just love it. Mm-hmm. I could golf with her 24 hours a day. She's so good. I never play good with you because I think I'm a little bit nervous. Plus, I'm trying <laughs> to help her. So, like, I'm not in, like, a headspace. 
Um, I just love it. Like that's my favorite thing to do. Was just like when it's like a like a hot day or like a hot night, mm-hmm. and like a nice sunset, and you're just out on the course together. Like talk about connection. Like mm-hmm. I love it. That's my favorite. I would agree. I actually really I'm not that good at it. I wish I was better, but it's like a practice thing. Um, but I really, good. I really enjoy. I picked up the sport because Ronnie loves golf. I mean, it's a great business skill to have. I think lots of girls, I wish more girls would learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I enjoy the quietness of it, but it also, it's so conversational. Right. So like, it's not a sport where you're like, pant, like you can't even breathe <laughs> right. and you're panting and you're like, <laughs> um, like we used to love working out together. Um, since changed a little bit harder, but mm-hmm. I would say golfing and in winter, my favorite is just doing like a great restaurant and then I don't mm-hmm. have to do dishes. Yeah. Which is always a win. Totally. <laughs> I have another day night for tonight, and he will be very impressed with what we're doing. Oh, baby. Yeah. Okay, a couple more questions, and then you guys can have date night. Yeah. Um, we've talked about a lot about relationship advice and your relationship and everything, but if you could just give one piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? Mine is don't give up. It's so easy to give up. It's going to be really hard. It's not every day going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be rosy. You're going to want to punch your partner in the face. You're going to want to strangle them. They're going to drive you crazy. Um, When Ronnie said to me, I'm like, I'm on your team. Like, we're in this together. Those words are, like, what I come back to. And knowing that, like, nothing lasts forever. So I want to continue to put the work in. And to, like, round that out, I've said this lots, but it's the grass is greenest where you water it. So I'm not going to give up, and I'm going to – invest in a relationship because the more invest the better the investment is hands down Mm -hmm. that's a good one um mine would probably be um that it's it's just not about you like i think people nowadays like there's so much in the media and there's so much that's preached that like it's all about your happiness and it's all about what makes you feel good and in happiness is such a short lived thing like people should not be seeking happiness like that's not that's that shouldn't be a life goal the life goal should be seeking like pure joy because i feel there's such a difference between the two happiness is kind of in and out you get happy when you when you buy something you can feel happy when you eat a donut exactly (laughs) and then the happiness is gone (laughs) (laughs) pretty fast so i think you know you have to you have to realize like i think some advice that we would give to people kind of coming into that stage of their life is as daunting as it sounds it's not about you anymore and I can promise you that if you make it about the other person and that person makes it about you like you're gonna get your happy feelings you're gonna get your long-lasting joy and you're gonna build something that goes way beyond anything that you can imagine when was the last time you talked to an 80 or 90 year old couple who's been married for 70 years and said, uh, you know, do you wish that you were more selfish or do you wish that you made it more about you? They don't ever say that, right? You never hear that once. So um, I think, you know, realizing that this isn't just about you anymore. Then when kids come, I mean, then it's really not about you, right? You need to kind of step aside from that and say, you know, I'm, I'm sacrificing maybe my happy feelings for today. Um, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for my wife or my spouse or my husband, my kids. Because um, in the long run, you're, you're going to get that joy. And that doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself. Yeah, you still take care of yourself, absolutely. Like, Ronnie is so key at, like, making sure he gets his workout in and he does his meditation and his prayer and devotional. Um, and we both try really hard to do that. So it doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself, but I think the world kind of can preach like it's about you it's about happiness and if it's like if you're just focused on yourself like part of what we love doing is serving other people and Ronnie does an amazing job of serving me which makes me want to serve him back in a way that's like a partnership Mm -hmm. um and that's the difference and 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 we don't put it on each other either as like that she's responsible for my happiness and I'm responsible for hers that's so unfair right Mm -hmm. like how can I and we might have maybe I for sure probably I think coming into marriage and how I had viewed past relationships I think that I expected that your partner is supposed to make you happy 
that's that's just not the case like you can't you can't put that type of responsibility and pressure on your partner at the end of the day you have to learn your own happiness you have to build your own joy right and then you guys live life together rather than than you know trying and, and I think that's why so many people probably do give up because they probably come out like well this person's just not making me feel my happiest anymore well I hate to tell you but there's a lot of tough times right yeah it's fun when you're dating and it's fun on your wedding and fun when the kid gets born and there's highlights but there's a lot of days in between too where it's not like oh man Jess is just making me feel so happy today I'm just so happy right I mean there's a lot of days in between and those days in between those are the days that make it so great and that and that's that's what you have to choose Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Um, and how can people get more involved with Love for Lewiston if they want? Well, for everybody listening, we'll be looking for silent auction items <laughs> starting right away. I'll have those addresses up on the website of where you can drop off. Um, no, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we raised um, $386,000. That number will be going public on our website right away. Um, we have this epic video that's coming out and praying that it'll be uploaded to our website by the end of the week, but we rely all on volunteers, so um, <laughs> we are patient with our deadlines. So the best way is to check out our website, which is love for Lewiston, L-O-V-E-F-O-R-L-E-W-I-S-T-O-N.ca, and <clears throat> there's a way to get involved. I'd sign up for like our newsletter because we'll be putting out calls for help, and then we're starting to... Do our subcommittee so you can send me an email if you're interested in leading a subcommittee um, because I will be having a baby one month before our biggest party of the year we need all the help we can get so that looks like major sponsorships so if people want um, to write us a big fat check we'll happily take that if you're a small business and you have really cool product that you want to donate maybe it's just your time and you can come you can't afford to go to the event but you want to be involved you can volunteer at the events um, we'll need people to golf in our golf tournament um, and to come alongside. It's Radiothon coming up. I don't know when this is airing, so it might be after this is done. Um, in like a week. So Okay, so Radiothon will be done. Mm-hmm. But um, any way that they can partner, or they can just write a straight-up check to Alberta Children's Hospital, and they can always do that in loving memory. If they have kids, and we encourage you, rather than getting more plastic toys that you don't need, to host a birthday party and give your money back to Alberta Children's Hospital. We did that for Swayze's birthday, and it's an epic way and really easy to raise money. So there's like a million and one ways, but best is to check out the website. Um, you'll see our events on there and like a how to get involved tab. And we would love people's support. And then reach out to me on Instagram. Um, my my account at JS Jansen. I do not take Ronnie's name in my Instagram account because that's what I started with. Or at Love for Lewis and both those handles will get um, you in touch with us. Am I missing something? I don't think so. We're raising $400,000 this year. I'd love to go for five, but I was like scaled it down just a little bit because of the babe <laughs> and our crazy year ahead. Um, but we're doing some really epic work with Children's Hospital. We're in the final stages for a newborn screening project that will benefit all of Albertans. So all, all babies born in Calgary and um, Edmonton will get screened for spinal muscular atrophy. And the goal is to um, get the government to put that on our newborn screenings and that would benefit all children because if they did get diagnosed, then they can get treatment. The sooner you can get treatment, the sooner um, and the stronger the babies will be, which can change their outcome. Yeah. And if you're a runner, Lewiston Ultra. Yeah, it's in almost September. Out. If you're a spin enthusiast like you are, Rach, mm-hmm. ride the roof, June. Yeah. If you love eating sandwiches, Chachi's Week, last week of May. Yeah. And obviously the epic birthday party and the golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys, for sharing. That was so fun. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. That was good. That's a good way to lead into date night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. It's so good to be on.